Welcome to the Pet Show with Jimmy Jelinek and Dennis Quaid. Hi, this is Dennis Quaid and Peaches, and you're listening to the Pet Show on Audio Up. We're your trusted source for the latest in pet news and pet culture. Each week, we look at stories and trends affecting your four-legged friends, dogs, cats, reptiles, and more. The Pet Show will keep you informed. That's right, keeping them informed, Peaches. We have catastrophic news for animal lovers today on The Pet Show. Men who like cats are less likely to get a date. That's right, it's now been scientifically proven. That's the takeaway from a study by Colorado State University, which found that women are less likely to swipe right or say yes to men if they're posing with a cat in a profile picture on Tinder. Scientists showed hundreds of women photos of two men, both men pictured with and without their furry companion. Their responses showed that the men's luck got noticeably worse when women saw the picture with a cat. Quote, men holding cats were viewed as less masculine, more neurotic, agreeable, and open and less dateable, the authors wrote. The study entitled, Not the Cat's Meow, the Impact of Posing with Cats on Female Perceptions of Male Dateability was conducted by Colorado State University professor Lori Kogan from their renowned College of Veterinary Science and Boise State University anthropology researcher Shelley Voish. I managed to track both them down to find out what's the cat's meow is going on here. And maybe this is why I can't get a date as a cat man myself. Let's hear the details. I think it really, I mean, from a cultural, particularly in the cultural West, United States, Europe, there tends to be an expectation or a perception that cats and people who own cats are more fastidious, high maintenance maybe. And so that tends not to align with our expectations of kind of like a rugged, manly man. Um, and some of the, you know, evolutionary psychology work on women's mating strategies, particularly at the age group we're talking about, right? We're talking about 18 to 24 year olds um, are still seeking that kind of strong man, John Wick kind of a character, right? And John Wick didn't have a cat. Walk me through the experiments, um, how you set it up and, um, and how you got the people. First of all, who is the dude in the picture? <laughs> so... <laughs> So little did they know that they would be so famous, right? So um, these were two students that worked with me um, that, that volunteered. So um, I had a professional photographer take several pictures of them and then we selected these. Um, and then the way that the study was set up was that we, we chose these pictures and then we, um, we solicited um, participants to, to view these pictures and all of the participants were were female, heterosexual females between 18 and 24. Um, and, and then we gave, we would show them a picture 
um, through an online survey and then and then ask them to rate that particular picture and all of these different characteristics. And so that we didn't kind of saturate people, we did two separate surveys. So there was one survey with with like guy A, first first guy, and then there was another survey. So those were two different populations. And the idea behind that was that not so much to compare guy A with guy B, because I feel like they're very different, obviously, yeah. but it was to compare them within themselves. And so so guy A was only compared with him by himself compared to him with the cat. And then the same thing for guy B. So that way we can see, okay, were, were there trends? And, and it was clear that there were trends that were, that were the same for both of the guys. What were some of those trends that emerged that you saw? Um, I mean, the, the big take home was that because we asked about short term dating, kind of hooking up, or we asked about long term relationships um, with the idea, you know, as Shelly alluded to, that maybe that there's a difference. Maybe people are looking for something different. Um, and so we asked how likely they would be to date this particular guy um, if they were in the market to be dating. You know, so we took out all the people that said that they would that they wouldn't date anybody anyway or that they weren't looking for a long-term relationship um and then what we found was that they were less likely to be they were less dateable when they were seen with a cat than when they were by themselves um, interesting and now was there a distinction made between dating and say hooking up because i could see someone wanting to mm-hmm. hook up with someone with a dog and then maybe date someone with a cat well, and that's what we thought too. And so that's why we asked two separate questions. We asked about short-term hooking up, and then we asked about long-term relationships. And the trend was the same. So regardless of what they were looking for, they still liked the guy alone, um, either either guy than when he was with a cat. Well, I mean, I have to admit, like, I own a cat. I live alone with a cat. But when I looked at the picture of the dude with the cat, there's no way I would ever do that. I mean, it's just, there's, there was something weird when he was holding the cat versus when he's holding, when he's pictured alone. And, and I guess it's the statement that you're making when, cause like if, if you're putting a, like the picture you put out in a dating profile, it's, you know, there's a, there's a lot coded into that picture. So when you're holding that cat in that picture, that's the first thing you're transmitting is that I'm a man with a cat. Mm-hmm. So I guess yeah, I was like, yeah, like I, I was, I was almost jarred by it in, in, in a sense. What's like, really interesting that, is that when we see that done with dogs, people are like, "Oh, he's got a dog. Yeah, he's yeah, sexy. yeah. He's sweet. I want to get my number and give him my number." Exactly. So it's fascinating to me that you're jarred when a guy's with a cat, but we wouldn't be if if the guy was with a dog. And I, I, I absolutely, this is from someone who owns a cat. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so um, it, it's it, it's interesting the the cultural um, cultural stereotypes and and whatnot that's that's built into that. Like I, I'm still slightly ashamed that I own a cat. I'd so like to it, go back and interject really quick about a comment that you made earlier. Is that when you're saying that um, and and we've heard this before that that the maybe the it's a statement to have taken your picture with a cat. Um, and, and in some way that might negate 
the results, but I think actually it just enhances them. And it goes back to like having your picture taken with a dog is that there would be a message that you want to put across. And so we were testing whether women would want a man with a cat because perhaps they perceive him as more sensitive or caring. So if that, if that worked, it, it could have worked in their favor. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, I, I feel like not. the person posing with the cat is saying I'm a beta male. If you ladies like beta males, I'm open for business with my cat. Come on over and let's uh, let's let's play the crossword. And and women are saying no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it! That's I'm gonna. I'll be single for the rest of my life. Just don't put the cat in your profile picture, and you'll be no, fine. <laughs> I, I won't. I, I've thought about it, but I won't. Anyway, you guys, thank you so much. This this has been great. cool cats and kittens it's carol baskin just took a kitty cat ride around my kitty cat meow meow kitty cat lake and i just want to thank everybody for being a supporter of the big cat kitty cat rescue if your idea of pet influencers begins and ends with this guy He's Bud's The fastest growing segment of the influencer economy happens to be pets. And now, thanks to the pandemic, business is booming for viral pet content. The world of celebrity pets does indeed go all the way back to Spuds. And perhaps earlier to this lesson part. But it was really the growth of Instagram as a platform that enabled the rise of the pet influencer. And like its human cousin, they are a relatively new phenomena. Lonnie Edwards recognized this early on. The Harvard Law graduate is the CEO of the dog agency, the first and perhaps only management company specializing in famous pets. Now quarantined in Massachusetts, Pet Show had the opportunity to talk with Edwards about the dog agency, the influencer economy, and just what is it that makes one pet seem sexier than all the rest? Let's have a listen. All right, so I'll just jump into it. The first question is, what is the dog agency? How do you explain that to the everyday layperson? So the dog agency was the first talent management agency to focus on pet influencers. I started in 2015. Uh, my background is in law. Uh, I went to Harvard Law School, worked at a big law firm. At the time, was running a fashion tech company got a dog, put her on Instagram, and she quickly started getting all these followers from all around the world. And that's when I realized that there was this new emerging pet influencer world. I was meeting these humans uh, behind these pets that similarly had just kind of developed this following on Instagram and realized that there was this whole new pet ecosystem that was starting to develop. Uh, and it was, because it was brand new, there was no structure in the space. Uh, there was no agency to pull it all together. The humans behind these pets kind of fell into it and they were like, oh my gosh, I, I now have this dog or cat or whatever it is with all of these followers and, and brands are reaching out and I don't know what to do. I've, I've never reviewed contracts before. I don't know 
how to intellectual property works, like what should I be doing? And so I was kind of unofficially advising um, and connecting all the players and streamlining the process while running my fashion company. And then in 2015 is when I decided to do this full time and I sold my other company. When you're signing new pets for representation, how are you acquiring your clients? Are the owners seeking you out or do you guys go and pitch pets that you find on Instagram that you think have extraordinary promise? Yeah, so it goes both ways. The majority is inbound. So every day we're getting tons of inbound from people who have pets that have fallings, have pets that don't have fallings, that want to know how to get started, or even people who don't have a pet yet and just want to be in this world. And they they want to know what kind of pet they should get that will set them up for success. So, so we see everything at all stages. And then we do also do outreach on occasion. So if we see an account that's going viral, that's getting shared a lot, that's really starting to take off or that has a really unique perspective, we will do outreach and connect. So uh, an example of that, I don't know if you've seen the account, your boy Toby Toad, but it is this toad with over 100,000 followers. At the time, one of my employees actually saw it, one of her friends had sent it to her. He only had like 20,000 followers at the time, which is much smaller than what we would normally look at. Normally our floor is 50,000. But the account was so unique and so creative and had such a unique spin on this world. And I, I see these accounts day in and day out. So to get me impressed is like kind of a rare thing. So when I right. saw this, I was like, okay, this, this account is really special, really unique, really new perspective. I think we should talk to them even though they didn't have the following. And so, so occasionally things like that. And we ended up citing them. And now they've grown so much over the past year that they're now over 100,000 followers, I think 150. We have a clip of Toby and his human on Action 4 News Jacksonville. So uh, let's check it out. So one young lady has taken Instagram by storm with her funny photos of a wild toad. She has 25 posts of Toby, and the account already has more than 11,000 followers. He is doing all kinds of things, taking a bath, playing cards, having tea, having a barbecue. So joining me now, the brains behind Toby's popularity, we have Savannah Michael. Appreciate you coming in. Yes, so this is too cute. It literally started, my neighbor and I were talking about you and she said, oh, I have a niece who has this toad that just like comes and she feeds it. And then she showed me the Instagram page and I just could not believe it. Where, how did this relationship between you and Toby form? Well, I've uh, been seeing him for a little while. He hangs out uh, just behind a flower pot on my front porch, and I just thought it would be funny one day to put him on this little couch. Mm -hmm. And um, it kind of went viral on Facebook overnight, so I, I made him an Instagram, and so it just has kind of blown up overnight since then. So. so did he fight at all, or was he just kind of like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll sit here on this cute little doll house couch? <laughs> Uh, he likes to eat bugs out of my hand, and as long as I feed him bugs, he just does whatever I want him oh. to. So he doesn't really give me any issues. Yes, so. as long as you're feeding him, he will feed you yep. on your Instagram page. <laughs> yeah. You said you did a little research about toads. You said you always have kind of been interested in frogs and toads, mm -hmm. but you did a little research, and you said their memory just is constantly turning. Yeah, so they're, uh, he's actually he's called a fowler's toad, um, and he's not poisonous like some people think. Um, he's pretty safe to handle. Usually before I pick him up, I get just a little bit of dirt on my hands to uh, make sure that I'm not exposing him to any chemicals like in my lotions or anything like that. Um, but yeah, he's got a pretty fast memory, so he's probably pretty calm in here. Okay, well, um, let's see. Let's. This is a trial. The first time he's kind of really been in this kind of environment. And we'll see if Toby um, does cooperate. And it's cool because you said you got all these little pieces 
um, from a dollhouse that you had. Yes. And Toby just does all kinds of things. One of my favorite picks is Toby barbecuing. <laughs> I love it. And you have the cutest little quotes, too, that you use. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so here's Toby. Let's see. Toby's a pretty chill frog, huh? Yeah, he's just hanging. He might try to hop away, but he'll be all right. <laughs> Their temperament is always a little more calm. I'll touch Toby. Hey, Toby. He's a little dirty right now, but um, most of the time they're pretty calm. They're, uh, they make really good pets. So Toby, though, he's pretty wild. He actually kind of comes and goes as he pleases. I don't make him live in this cage. This right. is just for today. Because what um, you say is, so you'll post Toby, you'll give Toby a meal, let Toby go, and then you said a couple of days later he'll just kind of show up at the doorstep. Yeah, he comes. sometimes I don't see him for two or three days. Usually when it's raining, he comes out and... Uh, when it's dark, he comes out, he eats the flies that are on the window that are attracted to the light. So You want to see if he'll, he'll play with us today? <laughs> oh, this is so cool. Look at Toby. So Toby likes the couch. Yep. This is Toby's first television just, debut. Just hanging. You are doing fabulous, Toby. He's going to play the guitar a little later. He has a nice little Women's Day magazine. He, this is, I mean, this frog is living the life, isn't he? What is it about the toad and what is it about the person managing the toad's social media presence that helps them, uh, you know, <laughs> penetrate culture of, above other toads? Yeah, so what's special about the toad is that toad's human. So that toad's human is extremely creative and created this whole voice for the toad, uh, for Toby the toad, uh, created, has these doll houses. She makes props for Toby. The creativity that goes into these scenes uh, is just so eye-catching and unique and special. And she's created a whole life for him out of these doll houses. And a lot of the stuff she makes herself and she finds on eBay or on Etsy and is just constantly looking for new creative things to add to his scenes and his sets. And she's just done such an incredible job. And, and that's what makes that, that toad special. <laughs> right. Speaking of toads and other unusual pets, what are some of your more unusual pet clients? Yeah, so at the name is the dog agency. We started with just dogs. We quickly expanded to cats. And then from there, we really kind of opened up the floodgates to all kinds of animals. So we have a toad, as we just discussed. We have Ethel the Glamour Tort, very fashionable tortoise. We have pigs. We have Duncan Ducks, which is a duck account. Are there any pets or clients that you won't accept? We're very particular on who we will take on. So we need that floor following. We need overperforming engagement. And then we need to see that it's a good relationship between the pet and the human. So at the end of the day, it needs to be a positive experience. We will not take anyone who seems like they're trying to force their pet into doing things they're uncomfortable with. The pet needs to be happy. It needs to be a good experience. And more often than not, that is the case. I mean, people love their pets like their children. This experience of being a pet influencer allows them to spend more time with their pet. They get to create content. They get to do fun things. They get to travel with their pets. So it's a huge benefit and bonus. You get to spend all this time and make money doing it. So we don't often see situations where we feel like the pet is being made to do things that are uncomfortable and being forced into situations. But those are times when we will absolutely not engage at all. Are you seeing it all since the, you know, that there's since the rise of, you know, the pet influencer business, are you seeing cases where people are buying pets to try and build them into influencers? That like the, that, like the impetus of buying the pet is not for companionship, but pure business. Yeah. And that is definitely a newer phenomenon. Uh, when I started the agency, the pet influencers at that time had fallen into this because the 
pet influencer world was not an established industry that people aspired to be a part of. Now people are actively trying to create pet influencers because it is the best job. I mean, you get paid to hang out with your furry best friend. There's nothing better than that. And you're spreading joy around the world with the cute content they're creating. And that's why it's also more important uh, to look out for that relationship between the pet and human because there's nothing wrong with creating content and making money doing it. I mean, there's a huge influencer industry. The fact that in this situation, it's with a dog as opposed to just the human themselves doesn't really change things as long as the pet is happy and taken care of. And that's kind of the current that goes through everything. You've already answered this question for me, but I have to ask it. How do you respond to those who believe that the entire notion of pet influencers is exploitive to the individual pet and that they're being used for the owner's commercial gain? If the pet is happy because they're hanging out with their human and they're on Instagram, I don't see how that has any negative. If anything, it's just spreading more joy because you have a rough day, you have something bad happens, you go on the internet and you see cute photos and videos of pets and your day is just instantly better. I mean, they're doing a positive service for the world and spreading joy. So I don't see how there's any possible downside unless it's the situation where that human is forcing their pets to do things they're not comfortable with, which is a totally different thing. That is not the world that we are in. We avoid that at all costs. In that situation, there can be a negative if someone's exploiting a pet and making them do things they're not comfortable with and treating them poorly. But in the world that we're in, our our clients, the humans, are so in love with their pets. Like they, they love them more than anything in the entire world and want them to have, the, they probably have better sweater collections than the humans do. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're not in any way being exploited. <laughs> With COVID-19 leaving us trapped indoors, it's no wonder that Edward says there's been a surge in the creation and engagement with pet content. After all, people are stuck at home, and as she says, these animals are simply spreading joy. One never knows when one comes out into this audience what one will find or who will... Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, sitting in our audience is one of the celebrities of all time. He is the guru of good times, the chancellor of charm, the sage of sophistication. Please welcome everybody's favorite party animal, Spuds McKenzie! And as always, he is accompanied by a bevy of beauty, his uh, constant companions. Your name, please? Hi, Dick. I'm Leslie Ferreira. And yours? Sandy Meshmeyer. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lula Rashawn. Now, Leslie, does he really enjoy these public appearances, a man of his stature? Dick, Mr. McKenzie is the biggest ham in the world. He loves it. He loves meeting lots of people. And I, he has I can a tell time. he's really excited tonight. <laughs> now, Sandy, she called him Mr. McKenzie. Doesn't he know he's a dog? Oh, he's not a dog. D-word now. The D-word is no. He doesn't know. He's not a dog. He's a party animal, the number one. The party animal is yawning as we speak, Leland. Do you make any any special travel arrangements for Mr. McKenzie? Oh, of course. Nothing but the best. He travels in his own private jet. He has limousines everywhere. What's, what's, with, what's with you and the boss here? He loves me. <laughs> he's really in love. He loves, he, he loves he is, women. He's, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to distract you. Now, I get, there are these vicious rumors. You pick up the tabloids at the, at the supermarket checkout stands. Mm -hmm. And uh, is there any truth to the fact that he is female? Ooh. 
Oh, I, I think I have to cover his ears because he's got three women around him, and I don't think we would be following I mean, this, he's, he's a full-out macho guy. Yeah, right, we're the only guy. females. Does he have doubles? No, he does everything. One only. Yeah. But that's what happens when you get to be a celebrity. People start saying all kinds of things about Wait a minute. In that chair, a week ago, we had Bubbles the chimp. Now, Bubbles is a, is a guy with extraordinary talent. He can curl his lip, roll his tongue. This, he yawns a lot. Does he have any other hidden talents? Well, I mean, can, he, can Bubbles pole vault? <laughs> no. I, I've seen him water ski on other occasions, too. Now, there is one thing. I, I've always heard you say, party right, party cool, but remember in the words of Spuds McKenzie. Know when to say when. You got it, Spuds. Thank you so much. I can tell you a thrill to be here. Nice to have you aboard. And now, the Style Report. Style watchers have noticed a marked shift into the business of luxury canine apparel. It's part of a larger shift in the industry brought on by changing demographics and pet ownership. With millennials now owning a majority of all dogs nationwide, has come an increased demand for products and apparel that reflect the personal style and convictions of these new pet parents. From the rise of pet tech, plant-based dog food, and cannabis for canine separation anxiety, comes a new streetwear revolution that reflects this new doggy style. We recently caught up with the leader of the pack for Streetwise Canine Couture, the two-year-old Very Important Puppies, or VIP, founded by fashion and food industry veterans Katerina Carellis and Sabrina Alberella. VIP follows the carefully worn trail of so-called hype brands like Supreme and Off-White, releasing carefully curated capsule drops for streetwear obsessives looking to twin with their pets. Ladies, welcome to the pet show. Can you tell me off the bat what's a hype dog? Well, I think a hype dog is when you're transmitting your own sense of personal style and style your dog, how you would do it on yourself. Streetwear has a lot to do with the connection customers have with the culture and wanting to be a part of it. All the streetwear brands out there are founded by people that are or have been a part of the culture, which started in New York City. And it is definitely a special connection you have to the products when you buy them. And I think the term hype dog just comes from the rise of social media and people wanting to show off their personal style. There are a dog... There are a lot of dog influencers out there, out there. Showing individual style is the way to stand out. You guys seem to have catapulted even beyond the realm of dog influencers and gotten your products into the hands of really big celebrities. Who are some of the people that are showcasing your brands for you? I would say Ariana Grande, Kendall Jenner. Um, who else? Uh, Hailey Bieber. Janina Shaikh. Yeah, some models. There's some different type of people. We just try to like, you know, keep a, bit, a big range and try to like hit different type of markets as well. So who's buying this stuff? Who's your customer? Is it streetwear obsessives or is it more nuanced than that? Well, I think the VIP customer is someone who loves your dog and definitely has an understanding of all those elements that we mentioned before and, and especially fashion and style. As we said before, the dog market is huge, but there aren't a lot of brand out there, especially for people that want to like really transmit their own styles. And we do get our re returning customers because once they receive our products, they, they do have an understanding of all the work and quality that goes behind creating each product that we make. And I think that, you know, we definitely, for the streetwear part, is definitely that customers have an understanding of those brands. 
and they, in this way they do connect way more with it and but i wouldn't define our brand to be a streetwear brand we just happen to have worked with some streetwear brands i would define our brand more as a as a lifestyle dog brand and our products are basically our merch so what's your biggest selling product so we have two items that we would say are our best sellers one is the velvet hoodies that we created initially and they were very uh, nice because they were neon colors and we used very good details we had a big zipper an insider that protected it uh, and it was very comfortable and easy to wear and then the second product was the collaboration the leash and collar that we did with harem i think it was for a lot of people besides the color it was also an item that uh, recalled his brand because he used that for his belts. So I would say those two items were the best sellers. You guys also did this crazy collaboration with NASA. Walk me through how that happened. Well, the thing started because we loved NASA and the concept of the moon and the spaceships. And we had an idea of maybe creating, I don't know, an image of the dogs on the moon. And that's how we started doing our research. And then doing our research, we realized that one of the first animals to go on the moon was actually a dog, Laika. So then we found it even more interesting because, as you know, it's better to have a story to tell behind rather to just create something. And since Heron had already done a collaboration with NASA and we had partner in the, in the past with him, we just thought it would be an easy collaboration to do, and it actually was amazing. And that's how we focused on the dogs and uh, the moon and uh, having them all together. It was actually pretty cool and fun doing it. Stylistically, what would you say is next for Dog Apparel? You know, I, we've seen a big traction in the products that are that have a matching of aesthetics and comfort. So I would definitely say that hoodies is something that is big for us because it's like really easy to put on it, in cities like New York City covers your dog from the cold. And, you know, with hoodies, you can do a lot of things so you can make and, you know, there's been a rise with like loungewear and like uh, dressing cozy because we've been locked up in the house for so long. So I think that like, you know, matching that and like you're dressing up with like sets of sweatpants and crewnecks and really giving something special. So there you have it, folks. Loungewear for dogs. Looks like it's going to be next. going to check in now with Joshua White, owner of Dog Pet Spa in West Hollywood, California. He's part of an emerging class of dog groomers for whom mutt cuts have become an essential art form. His shop is ground zero for Instagram celebrities and their pets who come to Josh to create something special in the hopes that it will go viral. Of all your celebrity clients, whose dog is your favorite? I do Usher's dog. He's a great client of mine. He has a miniature doodle. Her name is Scarlett. She's the best dog, best client I could ask for. She's the sweetest dog. And then, of course, there's lots and lots of, like, Instagram people uh, that we have or, you know, what are they called? Social media stars and things like that. And then before I had my own salon, I worked with plenty of other celebrities. Now, would you make house calls for them or would they come into the, the salon? They would come to my salon, actually. Um, Usher himself came a few times, but most of the time, you know, these people have assistants. I, I feel like the dogs themselves have their own 
entourage. It's usually like a dog walker, like a nutritionist, <laughs> like everything just for the dog. In my salon specifically, we do get a lot of poodles and doodles. I'm not sure if that's just a lot of people in West Hollywood have a lot of poodles and doodles or if it's because I have a poodle walking around, but a lot of people come to us. We give like these very fake, fake looking Japanese influenced teddy bear cuts on these doodles. And I think that's kind of like what people want. Or it's something with color. So it's like either give their dog like dramatic legs, a huge head and a short body, or it's add some color to their dog. Can you describe for me what your most dramatic groom has been to date? Is there something that stands out to you? <sighs> most dramatic groom to date? I have so many, honestly. I could say a few. Okay. For one, my own dog. I love grooming her. She's a great dog to groom. And I'm always thinking of different colors and ideas to do with her. But now we kind of branded her cut. So I kind of keep it that way. I did on a miniature poodle, like a flat top. If you think of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when Will Smith had that hairstyle that was kind of like super sharp and flat top. Yeah, I yeah, did yeah. That on a Yeah, I did that on a miniature poodle. Ah. I also gave like this side bang on a Yorkie that people called like the Karen cut. <laughs> that went, it, it went pretty viral. <laughs> That's apparently Yorkie for, can I talk to the manager? But uh, I got to know more about this uh, Yorkie Karen cut, please. It's the funniest thing. It's actually uh, my friend's dog. And I've been doing this cut on her dog since I've known her. And one day, uh, we just dressed her dog up in a shirt, put him in the chair in our salon and took this picture of him. And then someone took this picture from us and like, it just went viral. We had all these people sending us like memes of people calling this like, what was it? It was like, this is a, a, a Karen Terrier or like, she's going to ask for the manager. It was like different funny little things, but it, it's just happened to go viral but i wasn't thinking it will it was just like oh this is a cute cut i love to do this bang on this dog and boom it became a karen meme with the rise of pets as a force on social media we're living in a golden age for dog groomers no longer constrained by the bounds of how a dog should look they're creating riotous new cuts that demand to be seen josh white is just happy he and his colleagues are finally beginning to get the respect that they deserve so it's definitely, in my opinion, it's changed. Uh, social media, I think, is the number one thing that's pushed it. I believe, especially in the dog grooming world, uh, I feel like people are finally starting to see it as like an art form. They're finally starting to see it as, you know, more than just their idea of this lady grooming a whole bunch of dogs in a salon. So many different groomers all over the world, actually, and there's competing. And there's some really, 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 really great groomers out there. And people are finally starting to see that. And I just love that I'm actually a groomer and able to live in this moment. And there's dog grooming shows coming out and dog shows coming out. And we're just living in a moment where it's about the dog. And I love that right now. Dachshunds were originally bred to fight badgers. That's a fun fact. Yeah, isn't it? Yes. One of those things that's like, oh. One of the guys that worked for me in Montana was telling me about the time that he got into a fight with a badger. They're nasty motherfuckers. They are. He said, well, think about a badger. Is a badger, you know, uh, 
you know, I was, the badger was attacking me, so I was trying to kick the badger, and the, the badger was jumping up because what they'll do is they try to jump up in the air and they try to claw out your belly. That's what they're doing. So stray dogs in Russia have learned how to ride the complex subway system and get off at specific stops in search of food. And those are this week's fun facts. The Pet Show is brought to you by Audio Up and was written and produced by me, Jimmy Jelinek, along with Dennis Quaid. Executive producers are Jared Guchtat and David Hurwitz, edited by Bill Markt. Emma Rappold is our story producer. Talk to you next week. Meow, 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 meow.